AutoLine Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. This is AutoLine Daily for September 16, 2010, and now the automotive news. The Communist Party in China likes to develop five-year plans to move its different industries forward. And now the country is putting the plans together to force dozens of car companies to merge together. Gasgu reports that the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology will release the new policy by the end of this year. Today, China has about 130 car companies, but most of them sell fewer than 10,000 vehicles a year. The goal is to end up with two or three large companies that sell over 2 million units and about four or five mid-sized ones that sell about a million. But here's my Autoline Insight. You watch. In another five years, China will release new guidelines of how to push further consolidation so that it ends up with just a handful of car companies. But they will be gigantic, all with the goal of becoming the biggest in the world as China sets out to dominate the automotive industry. Anyone can buy a portable nav system today from Garmin or TomTom that only cost about $150. A lot of smartphones also offer navigation, but try to buy one from your car from the factory and you're likely looking at a $2,000 price tag. Wards reports that Ford's trying to counter that with its My Ford Touch system that connects your smartphone to your car then displays the information on a bigger screen located on the dashboard. That gets rid of the hard drive and DVDs and most of the other electronics associated with nav systems. My Ford Touch is standard on higher-end models and is a $1,000 option on others. More Paris previews. Mercedes-Benz is giving a sneak peek of its A-Class e-cell before they pull the wraps off it at the Mondial de l'Automobile. It's an all-electric vehicle, and despite its small size, Mercedes says it can seat five people. But man, they gotta be scrunched in there. It's got a range of 200 kilometers, which is about 124 miles, and can travel up to speeds of 150 kilometers an hour. That's about 93 MPH. Even though it's small, charging takes quite a while. It takes eight hours to reach a 100 kilometer range, about half of its total, and that's from a standard 230 volt outlet. But remember, those are European specs. But the driver can check the charge status from the internet or a smartphone. Mercedes plans to build 500 e-cell cars later this fall to lease to customers in Europe. The European Automobile Manufacturers Association released sales figures for the continent yesterday and the numbers aren't good. According to the AFP, sales in July were down nearly 20%, and last month, sales were down almost 13% compared to a year ago. It's the fifth straight month of declines in Europe. Overall, car sales are down 3% this year through August. And of course, we knew this was going to happen when European governments pulled the plug on their cash for clunkers programs. But while Europe is struggling with car sales, big truck sales in the US continue to climb and that is a very good sign. According to Wards, medium and heavy-duty truck sales were up by more than 20% in August compared to last year, making it the best month of the year so far. The only class to see a decline was Class 4 trucks. All others posted gains. These numbers are encouraging because big truck sales are an indicator of how well the economy is doing, and I think a lot of economists are missing this underlying strength. 
Whenever you see heavy truck sales climbing strongly, the economy starts climbing with about a six month lag time. Coming up next, I take what I thought was going to be my last test drive of a Dodge Viper. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. Recently, I had some seat time in what was supposedly the last Dodge Viper SRT10. It's got its share of quirks, probably more than the competition does, but they don't take away from its primary mission, jaw-dropping performance. This is the last time I'm ever going to get a chance to test drive a brand new Dodge Viper. That's because the car has gone out of production. You know, it's been a couple of years since I've been in one of these things. I forgot just how crude it is. There's no traction control. There's no stability control. They just wanted this to be the most basic kind of sports car there is. It's pretty crude on the inside too. Come on, I'll show you what I'm talking about. The first thing that you'll notice when you get in this car is, boy, it's cramped. I'm not a big guy either. You really got to squeeze into this. You'll also notice that you're offset. You physically are offset to the left of the steering wheel. The footwell's very cramped, and even though there's a dead pedal down here, it's awkward to use. Another strange thing, you get a key, which you have to stick in the ignition and turn, but once you do, then you've got to actually push a button to start up the engine. Kind of weird that you need to do both there. Well, as long as we've got the engine running here, let's take this thing out on the road. I'll show you what it can do. One of the things I hate about this car is when you get going, if you shift out of first, it pulls it immediately into fourth gear and the engine just bogs down. The reason they do that is the EPA will give you a few more counts on your fuel economy if it yanks right into, into fourth. But if you accelerate to about 1500 RPM, then you can pull it into second like you normally would. Because this is a V10 and it's got side exhaust, exhaust on either side of the car, the exhaust note really doesn't sound all that good, unless you're into the sound of, say, a 1926 Fordson tractor. That's what this thing sounds like. I just don't like the exhaust note. Of course, when you open it up, you get a lot of power coming out of it, and that makes it sound a little bit better, but overall, I don't like the exhaust note on a V10 engine. Of course, despite all the crudeness, all the idiosyncrasies of this car, what forgives everything how it goes. So yeah, this car really gets it. And yes, it is a very crude car, but just look at this thing. It's a gorgeous piece of machinery. I love the front end, especially this hood scoop, very functional of course. And these vents on the top of the hood, too, just add a lot of raw appeal. The way they've got the fender vents also slotted, the sweep back into the car, the side exhaust. This car is just a rolling piece of sculpture. And, you know, even though it's gone out of production, don't count this thing out just yet. I've talked with Ralph Gilles, the president of Dodge. His goal, he tells me, is to bring out a new Viper in just a couple of years. 
That thing's 8.4 liter V10 engine kicks out 600 horsepower and 560 pound-feet of torque. With a curb weight right around 3,400 pounds, it has a power to weight ratio of just 5.7 pounds per horsepower. And that makes it a supercar. And Chrysler just showed the redesigned version of the 2012 Viper to its dealers. I can't wait to see what it looks like and what it's like to drive it. Hey, don't forget to tune in to AutoLine After Hours tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. Join me and that auto-bodacious, auto-extremist Peter DeLorenzo as we weigh in with our opinions and insights as to what's going on in this crazy industry. Tonight, our guest is Neil DeCoker from the OESA, the supplier organization, and we'll get a good insider's view of how suppliers see what's happening in this business right now. That's tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, and that brings us to the end of today's report on the latest news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tonight and tomorrow.